Hello and welcome to On The Ball, the podcast that is looking forward to a fresh lease of life with a new guy at the helm. You join us for episode 124 of the On The Ball podcast and I'm Steve Sanders aka at NCFC Numbers sitting in for Michael Bailey. I'm on Norwich City, have a very permanent looking new man in charge. I'm just keeping the presenter's chair warm for one week with Michael hosting the Norwich City fans social clubs. Much more worthy mental health awareness evening at Carrow Road tonight. So think of me as Alan Russell just without the Polonex and the modelling career. In fact, um, I'm kind of quite a long way away uh, from either of those things. Um, so, has the countdown to the playoffs begun? Well, Norwich City are up to fifth with four more goals, three more points, two wins from two under a new manager and one buoyant fan base. We'll talk more about the Wagner bounce, uh, the wiki wiki wild wild west. I hope someone gets that reference. Whether it's possible to be unhappy with the first half in which you score three goals. Answer, yes, it is. And ask if the stress levels are worth it. And maybe it would have been better if we just stuck with Dean Smith a little bit longer. Answer, no, it wouldn't. Plus, farewell, Todd. We hardly knew ye, apart from your love of beanie hats and giving out Christmas presents. And as this is our last pub before January, we'll try out some wild and clueless transfer speculation without a journalist in the room. And we'll look ahead to a corker at the carrot in a fortnight. Well, we've gone for the inverse effect with our panel tonight. More goals equals fewer pundits. But... Don't worry, because it's very much a quality over quantity job. So who have we got on? Well, there was a time uh, when Zoe Morgan didn't used to appear on On The Ball after a Norwich City win at all. Nowadays, it doesn't feel like a win unless uh, Zoe's on. So uh, I'm pleased to say Zoe Morgan is here. How are you, Zoe? Hello, NCFC numbers. I am good. Thank you. Absolutely buzzing to be on. for my. It's my second post-win appearance uh, ever, so... Very pleased about that. And I've just got tons to say, so can't wait to say it all. <laughs> Excellent. The first one being at some point in the Dean Smith era, right? Uh, yeah, it was. I can't, I can't remember it now, like, like I mean... much of the rest of it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that, yes, that whole year. Um, we, we just we just won't talk about it. Um, and our second guest tonight, we've got Norwich City podcaster, fan, and one half of the uh finest on the ball double act that we've seen it's elliot lake elliot uh, it's been a while how are you doing hi steve yeah thanks um yeah it has been a while i was literally just thinking then that the last time i was on i think was one of dean smith's first game in charge and now wow. i'm here a year later uh at one of neil wagner's first game in charge but yeah same as zoe like thought we were um re- 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 sorry really happy with the with the win at the weekend um fantastic and yeah good to see David Wagner get well let's hope that that's not a sign of things to come of the David Wagner era going the same way that the Dean Smith one did um yes the the other half of your double act Rob um has dislocated his shoulder snowboarding am I right in is that right yeah I think he so he's been he was in the French Alps last week and he had a ball going over what he described to me as the tiniest jump in the resort uh, and he, he dislocated his shoulder. So, yeah, I uh, hopefully he's doing well. If he's watching, we hope he's doing well, Dobby. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, I enjoy Yeah, but we do wish you well. And Dobby is, is Rob's nickname, right? Sorry, Dobby is Rob's nickname. I've just known him, him as Dobby my entire life. So it's hard <laughs> for me to revert back to Rob. Well, um Harry Potter did fine without Dobby, didn't he? I, I think so. Uh, so maybe it'll maybe it'll work out well for you. Um, anyway, um, we should crack on. And uh, you are already leaving your comments, which is great. Um, if you have any more suggestions uh, for the newly created on the ball drinking game, then do let us know and drink responsibly. Um, anyway, without further ado, I think it's time for the headline act. So far, so good for the music, I think. Um, We will talk, Todd. I promise that we will talk, Todd. Obviously, that's the big news that's come out tonight. But first, I think uh, we'll go back to Saturday. Why not? The craziness at the CBS, which is apparently Coventry's new stadium name. Um, Norwich City were two up inside 10 minutes for the first time in the league for 12 years. Three up inside 20 minutes for the first time in six years. And three, two up 
inside half an hour for the first time in. I literally have no idea how long. Um, it finished 4-2 um, and only Paul Lambert and Daniel Farkas Norwich City teams had scored four or more goals in back-to-back games in the last 40 years. You can add David Wagner to that list. Not bad after just three matches in charge. Uh, Zoe, I suppose we could describe this as um, classic championship fair if it wasn't the polar opposite of everything we've been served up so far <laughs> this season. Um, but this is more like what we were, we were hoping for at the start of the season, wasn't it? What a, what a bloody good game of football that was. It was so much fun. Um, and I think it had the commentators on the telly sort of breathlessly saying, this is why we love the championship. Um, a lot of, I think it, it it wasn't just the Sky commentators that said that, but I think it was also on the EFL highlight show. This is why the championship is the best league in the world. And um, I don't know whether that's a sort of thinly veiled insult as to sort of quality of defending um, or um, the wildness of it all. But it, it, you know, it really, really was what is so fun about the championship. It's um, it was chaos. It was it was fun. Um, it was unpredictable, and it didn't come with that sort of constant level of feeling so nervous you might throw up that every Premier League game that we get even slightly close to getting a point from seems to do it was just it was just really good fun um and yeah it was just a a good game I think probably three two at half time probably flattered Coventry a little bit I don't think uh I think we were well on top and um yeah one one thing I probably would take umbrage with uh David Wagner was that he didn't enjoy that first half it didn't please him I think uh I think it pleased the rest of us it very much felt like our Norwich was back and uh um what he referred to as wild west football is uh something he might get have to get used to because uh we've got a bunch of cowboys that enjoy enjoy that kind of thing um <clears throat> and it's it's interesting maybe this is the difference between him and Farker is that uh, I think Farker would have absolutely loved that bit of it. He would have reveled in it. You know, he was all about the entertaining. He, um, and I, I, it was almost like they were, you know, we would go through periods back in the Farker heyday of sort of almost playing out of our skin for half an hour and then almost just thinking about something else for 15, 20 minutes, letting the other team back in it and almost playing chicken until, uh we, you know, until we thought we properly had to turn it back on again and uh, somehow end up getting a last minute winner or a, an equaliser. I'm not sure that will go down so well with Wagner. Um, but if we keep scoring four goals in a game, then however we do it, I don't think anyone will be complaining too much. Yeah, I was slightly disappointed to hear that he wasn't happy with the first <laughs> <laughs> It's that old cliche of um, managers not enjoying 3-3 three, three draws or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of our fans would have, would have agreed a couple of weeks ago that we had a bunch of Cowboys playing as well, but maybe not for maybe not for the reasons that you're suggesting <laughs> now. Um, Elliot, that, so yeah, I mean, the, the first half was, was pretty insane. Can you ever remember anything like that? And what were your emotions watching it? Obviously, I, I guess this, the same as, uh, as most of us, presumably. Yeah, I mean, we we completely blew them away for 15, 20 minutes. Um, to score three goals as quickly as that, it does take you back those right to the Daniel Farker era. Um, but I I think when you go 3-0 up like that in a game, uh, you shouldn't see two more goals before half-time. I, I kind of kind of agree with the manager a little bit there in that once you score three goals, you know, why, why, why concede those two? It meant that we had it. We, we had... What, what should have been an easy second half turned a little bit trickier. We played really well in the second half, but there's no need to concede those goals. Um, the, especially the first goal, I think they fell asleep a little bit. And the, the throw-in comes in, um, the, the, it goes to the back post, the winner header back across in the midfield, aren't they, picking up the second ball? I mean, that was, for me, an easy, an easy goal to defend. Um, and had we defended that, it would have been much more of an easy uh, win in the end. But I, I don't want to take the gloss off it. 4-2 away at Coventry is fantastic. Uh, 32% of, uh, I see if you're NCFC numbers, you'll probably be able to tell me that is that 32% of the goals that were scored in the entirety of Dean Smith's um, premiership scored in David Wagner's two or first away games. Is that right? I, I think that the total number of away goals that we'd scored under Dean Smith, 32% of those have already been scored under Wagner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just fantastic. And I think getting players forward... Um, is something that we didn't do under the previous manager. And just to see that the, the play, like Hernandez on one side, 
Dowell, Sergeant, Pookie, all determined to get into the box and get on the end of things was, was fantastic to see. And that's probably the reason why we scored uh, three such quick goals in the first um, 30 minutes. But then going into the second half, I thought we were, we were brilliant. We had a really professional performance, um, <clears throat> which is exactly what you need if you, we want to push for the playoffs. I still probably hold out, see if we can overtake Sheffield United, although I've been told by my colleagues at work that that is very unlikely. Um, but we we could certainly make the playoffs, and you know the last time we were in the playoffs, we did a great job over Ipswich, and then um, bullied Middlesbrough in the final, which hopefully we could do again this year. But and I've got to say, I love that playoff um, that playoff campaign. That was probably my favourite memory as an Orange fan. So I would love to do that all over again. Well, it does, yeah, and it does sort of feel like a similar start under Wagner, if not even better than the one that we got under Alex Neal. Um, and Ryan Livermore on last week's podcast was talking about the potential for, you know, if we're down to single figures in terms of the gap between us and Sheffield United or Burnley come with 10 games to go, then it's still possible and they, they might get nervous. So let's rule nothing out yet, although I can't believe that we're saying this, given where we were a few weeks ago. Um, let, it, it was a good day for the supporting cast for Tammy Pukki, wasn't it, Zoe? Um, three of Norwich City's midfielders scored. Was was there anyone in particular that you wanted to pick out in terms of an ind- individual performance? Um, well, for me, you know, it always comes back to Arnell. Um, of course it does. I in even, one way or another. Just, I should have just teed you up for Arnell, really, shouldn't I? I knew it was going to be him. Dear sweet Arnell, um, I I sort of had it geared up in my mind. If you asked me which one was my favourite goal, then it was it was definitely Arnell's, just because he nearly so nearly messed it up. Um, <laughs> it's classic Arnell, absolutely, just vintage Arnell Hernandez. Um, you know, such a lovely move, Sergeant's touch, wonderful Pookie. You know, perfect comes to Arnell. Sort of no one anywhere near him, like. Everything, you know, is sort of clear path. Somehow, you know, about 18 touches later, he's got about eight <laughs> defenders around him and the goalie's well positioned. Um, and yet uh, there he is, the goalkeeper. Um, so enthralled to Arnel Hernandez, aren't we all? Um, that he just sort of palms it into his own net. And it, it, it was just classic Arnel. <laughs> and it just, I, I don't know, there's... I've gone through sort of conflicted feelings about him this season because he's sort of been the one sort of bit of hope that we've all had to cling on to, I think, in a in a sort of otherwise quite dire experience up until now. Um, and the sort of the fact that he's been back in the squad, um, the singing of his name, you know, he has got the best song um, out of everybody. It's sort of that's that's been a lovely thing to cling on to but also there's always been this thing in the back of my mind of like yeah but is it a bit pathetic that we are our one good thing is perhaps a player that a lot of us had thought maybe wasn't good enough for this squad um and there's just something very lovely about him I didn't think he would start against Preston he started against Preston he started both of these games and he's really played a big part he has provided that chaos that I think a good championship side needs um, just to just to unsettle people, just to to worry people when they don't know what he's what, what he might do. He seems a lot more focused. He seems to know what he's doing, and he seems to be really enjoying it. And I think that sort of marriage of a kind of fan favorite, someone who loves the club, um, plus you know that success and him actually doing really well. I think. It's just such a nice thing and I hope long may it continue. And, you know, perhaps next time he scores, he'll take it slightly more cleanly. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did score and then did a front flip, which um, I don't... Have we seen a front flip from Onel before? I feel like that was a new... Did, did you... When he was halfway round, did you think that he was somehow going to mess, <laughs> like land on his head? <laughs> it didn't quite feel like he was going to get all the way round and that was concerning, but it was very lovely. Very lovely. Yeah, we- it wasn't like the goal where he just yeah suddenly had a moment halfway through. He's like, what am I doing here? Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, I think the point you make about he knows what he's doing now, I think that's a really pertinent one, actually, because the uh, the temptation with someone like Onel Hernandez is is to think, just give him the ball and let him do his thing. But actually, um, I, I think with someone like Wagner, who I will be much more inclined to coach him to play in a certain way, I, I sort of feel like that's going to be beneficial for him because 
I think he's somebody that needs to be told, right, this is what we want you to do. And you've, you've got to stand here and we believe in your ability to do it. But this is what you need to do in order to be able to achieve that. And I think we're sort of seeing the evidence of that in the first two games. I thought he was really excellent on Tate. And obviously could have had a second hit the post second half. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully this is the this is the renaissance of the renaissance of Onel Hernandez because it feels like we've been here uh, before. Um the other player who, well, three of the team that started on Saturday are out of contract in the summer, I believe. I think it's just three. Tami Puki, we've talked about a lot. Onel Hernandez is another. Um, and the third is Kieran Dowell, Elliot. And I think uh, I'm sort of, I listened back to last week's podcast, which I don't normally do, but I, I was thinking we kind of didn't give Dowell a fair, fair praise that week. So basically now putting all the pressure on you to do exactly that but what did you think I mean I I thought again he he stood out to me yeah I think he's one of those players which will benefit from having players bought like up the pitch around him a little bit more in terms rather than you know sort of trying to build a little bit more from the back and being um, less uh, direct even if he can get close to Pookie then he's shown that he can get on the end of uh, second balls and, and score goals like he's done in the last couple of weeks um, and, and again he's never really had a true run of games in a Norwich shirt which I think anyone needs regardless of how um, how they're viewed by the fans or the manager you know I think the more games you play the, the more you fit in with the system um, so yeah I, I think uh, Jury's out really on whether Dow should get a new contract I think he's got to do it for more than just two games three goals in two games you know any player can have uh, a bright spell over the course of the season, maybe five to ten, not five, no, maybe five, maybe five, five to eight for the rest of the season. I think to to warrant a new contract um, because so far he hasn't really done it. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd obviously love to see him do well. Um, just go back to Hernandez. I, I just want to mention that when he came out and and got. Uh, Got involved with the drummer, the with drum. man of the match award, with <laughs> yes. the City Elite. I thought that was so good. And it just so it shows what a really nice fella he is and down to earth and how, you know, he, it, and that drum is obviously making a bit of a difference in the for the players, the fact that he went wanted to go out there and, and get involved with the drum and have a little play on it. I thought that was fantastic. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I feel like if if getting a Norwich City tattoo and like praising the local Argos wasn't enough to get the fans on side, that that was definitely going to be it. Um, I like this idea of performance-related contracts as well. Um, five goals for Dal, that's incentive enough, for, uh, I would say, to, to give him a new deal. Um, so what, what are we saying then, Zoe, in terms of the new contracts for Onel and Dal? Would you get them to sign on the dotted line now, or are you gonna are you, are you playing hardball like Elliot and uh, waiting for a few more good performances? It's a really tough one, I suppose, timing-wise. Um because we just really don't know what league we're going to be in um, next year. You know, the optimists among us may think, uh, you know, play hardball because we've been here before, right? We've been here when we've had a squad that's got Hernandez and Dowell in it and neither of them have been good enough for the Premier League in the past um, for one reason or another. If we're in the Championship, we know that they're both probably good enough, you know, on their day, especially with Dowell, um, you know, good enough for, for to be part of a you know a good championship side um so it is it is a really tough one like it is a tough one and you know it requires a more shrewd negotiator than I um I have full <laughs> trust in Stuart Webber uh obviously um but yeah it, it is a tough one it's it's it would be like kicking kicking a kitten uh if he's told <laughs> Onel now that you weren't gonna you were thinking about not giving him a new contract I think you know he's said many times that he'd like to you know he wants to stay in Norwich he loves Norwich he wants to be there <sighs> yeah it's too it's too hard it's too hard to say you can't give him a contract um even if he then ended up going out on loan um I think I could deal with that better um Dal's an interesting one I think um it's I think he's yeah I think he's a really good player I think he's just got to be used properly I think the problem with him is it's quite easy for him to look like he's not doing anything um 
like he's not running you know when he's played sort of slightly out of position or you know the team is not functioning very well around him I think it's quite easy for Dell to look lazy um a bit slow a bit like he's not concentrating properly when he's fully in it and he's fully on there's not anyone else in that, that squad that can do what he can do especially with Pookie and that link up with Pookie um but he is sort of him you know he's he's with Ben Gibson you know in the scapegoat club um in terms of the the ones you hear get shouted at the most um when things aren't going well it, um and that's because he he doesn't always look completely engaged with it. But I, I don't I don't think that's his fault. I just think that's sort of the sort of the vibe that he gives off. He is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it would be less like kicking a kitten and more like kicking a, a buffalo or something that you weren't going to damage. Probably hardy dog. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we do not advocate kicking any animal, by the way, on the On The Ball podcast. Um, yeah, so let's just make that absolutely clear. Um, <laughs> Nolly makes the point that if we're in the champ again next season, there probably won't be much to spend. So extending might be a necessity. That's a, a sobering thought for us all there that actually it might just be we can't afford anyone better um which is a reasonable enough argument we've spent all the money haven't we so as we keep hearing so yeah yes <laughs> there's nothing left <laughs> we've got nothing. absolutely nothing left um just a quick word on coventry um neil luther says um funny how both uh preston north end and cov saying that's the worst they have played this season surely it's down to the new uh are we going wag ball or varg ball we're playing uh, <laughs> um jury's out on that one um, but I, I thought I thought Coventry looked really. I, I'm I'm split because actually yes we could have been more in front of the first half, but I thought they pressed us really quite well in that first half, and then kind of ran out of steam in the second half and allowed us to take the control back that you were talking about, Elliot. Um, so I don't know what everyone else thought, what you guys thought about um, about their performance. I suppose compared to Preston. Um, I thought Coventry were good. I was really impressed by Casey Palmer. I know he got the goal and was. Um, I thought his overall like ball carrying capacity was was good. I think he's kind of a player which I wouldn't mind even having a Norwich that type of player. I know he probably can afford it, but um, maybe maybe more than what I'd hoped Gabriel Sara would be. I know he Sara played quite well at the weekend defensively, but um, maybe carrying the balls and get and getting. Uh, getting a little bit uh, more forward uh, with the ball. I, I, I thought Casey Palmer was good, but yeah, I, I must admit, I haven't seen much of Coventry over the season, so I wouldn't be able to make uh, any judgment on whether that's their worst performance. But I, I, I certainly think in the first 30 minutes or first 15, 20 minutes that we played well enough to for, for their fans to boo. Yeah, very good point. And I think, to be honest, at that stage, I feel like we've I feel like we've covered that. It's a, it's a quick way of doing six goals, but um, I think we can move on to the things that we are not going to talk about, which we are, of course, rebranding as Twangta. I'm going to say Twang-ta. that carefully. Yep, I'm in charge. So I do need to behave, and I know others before me have tripped up, haven't they, Michael? Um, has anybody got, uh, have either of you got anything that you do not want to talk about? Um. One thing, I suppose, if we're talking about the race to automatic promotion, which we are very much joined, I would say, um, Sheffield United's transfer embargo, don't want to talk about that, perhaps uh, get them docked 20 points or something (laughs) for all of this rule breaking they've been doing. Uh, Perhaps that might help us uh, in our our sort of march onwards to second. Although if they did have 20 points deducted, then we wouldn't have the supreme glory of having overtaken them from where we are now uh which i still think is possible so perhaps it would it would make it would make the championship a lot more fun though wouldn't it so maybe they should just do it purely for that reason i mean if they've broken the rules then you know dock them points but also just just for you know for pure entertainment it would be absolutely crazy that fight for second place then um and we'd be right in it wouldn't we um elliot anything that you didn't want to talk about um, I don't really want to talk about the goalkeeper situation. Uh, maybe you two can enlighten me a little bit more about what you think. But um, from what I've seen this season, I thought the gun's been playing fairly well. Uh, and now he seems to be... I, I'm not saying that Cruel's a bad goalkeeper. I think he's, I think he's great. I mean, he's had a fantastic Norwich City career. But um, I don't know. I thought I'd, I'm not sure Gunn deserves to lose his place. But maybe you guys uh, 
think otherwise. Well, we, we we touched on this the other week. And in fact, funnily enough, Neil Luther at exactly the same time says Tim Krull versus Angus Gunn, Battle of the Keepers. Don't want to talk about that. So on the same wavelength there. The, the weird thing is that Tim Krull's record is um, considerably better when he plays than Angus Gunn. And whether there's any correlation there between performances, I'm not sure, because I think Angus probably has looked the better of the two this season. In fact, I would say almost certainly. And And actually, Saturday was kind of an extension of that again because <laughs> there was some uh seriously interesting kicking in that first half which put us under a bit of pressure even when we were sort of two nil up I think um what I mean what do you think Zoe are you um it, I don't know if it's if you have to be on team Tim or team Angus these days but um what, what which side of that would you come down on oh, it's, it's such a tough one it, when when the team was announced for Preston and Gunn wasn't in it. A, a lot of people talking sort of on social media about how, you know, that was an absolutely massive decision. Um, but actually, I think the problem is that in the grand scheme of things, it's not, you know, it's, it's they're so close that it's not, you know, it's not crazy to pick one or the other. Like it's not, it's not absolutely, you know, it's not madness to go go down on, you know, team Tim or team Angus. Um I was at the Preston game and uh, Tim Krull could not have been more excited to be playing. Like <laughs> he charged out at the beginning. He was beating his chest at the fans. He was, you know, he was so pumped up. Um, I was sort of uh, sort of grumbling sort of in the first 15 minutes that I hope the ball didn't come anywhere near him because he seemed so amped up that, you know, he's liable to do anything when he gets the ball in that kind of state. Um, so there's no, you know, there's no doubt that he is, a big character to have in the team and you know for all of his dubious kicking and sort of ex- overexcitement I think um you know that that presence that he has um I think does really impact the team and, and I think you know you especially if we do sort of get up a bit of momentum we do get up a bit of a head of steam having someone like that I think it's a really useful asset. Um, and that's not saying anything against Angus, but they're not the same in that regard. You know, they're, you know, Angus is a lot quieter. You don't, you, you don't get that same sort of vibe coming off him, I guess. And in that, for that reason, and it, you know, that I can kind of understand going with Cruel, especially with Wagner. He wants to make that impact. He wants to, you know, get them going a bit picking the goalkeeper that is going to get the other players going having said that (laughs) cruel does make some weird decisions sometimes and yeah it's quite fun um but you know in a in a tight game you know where we haven't scored four goals that can be a bit that you know it might lead to some quite nerve-wracking situations um I also want to know was the cap that he put on for like 10 minutes in the first half, was that Wagner's cap? Because uh, Wagner <laughs> no longer had a cap on during that yeah. time. And I want to know if he lent Krull his, his special cap. Oh, did those two things happen simultaneously then? Krull well, gained a cap so. and Wagner lost one? Yes. Well, he wasn't... I, and You know when you just can't remember what things were before? I think Wagner had his cap on before, but then Krull definitely had the same cap that Wagner wears on for a bit and Wagner was not wow. wearing a cap during that time so I think he maybe forced it on <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well I mean it could have happened when Coventry scored one of the goals either Wagner ran onto the pitch <laughs> on Krull's head, or maybe kind of threw it across to him like a frisbee and Krull just plucked it out of the air using his hand um, either of those things could have happened without the cameras being on them if you're at the ground uh, and you're listening if you, yeah do let us know how that happened um, and if indeed I mean, it seems unlikely, but was it David Wagner's hat that Tim Krull put on? Um, who knows? And and maybe that's uh, that could make all the difference to Tim's performances. Maybe he needs to keep keep the keep the cap. Keep the cap. Um, the magic. The magic cap. The magic cap. Um, it sort of feels to me a little bit like uh, twenty. What was the season we went up under Farker? Twenty eighteen nineteen, when actually that run of games, sort of around the around Christmas time, maybe a little bit beforehand, where he was making individual errors. And yet we were still winning the games. Mm-hmm. So at that point, obviously, he didn't have as much competition because I think Michael McGovern would have been second choice, who's still here. Um, but it, there was never that much question over Cruel losing his place, whereas now it does feel like we have got better competition, which can only be a good thing, I suppose. 
And obviously, I we don't want to say. Can... Sorry, Elliot, you carry Sorry, on. Sorry, no, you go, Zoe. I was just going to say we don't want to upset friend of the podcast Brian Gunn by uh, suggesting uh, that Tim's the better choice. I would say. <laughs> also very true. Yes, no one wants to upset Brian Gunn, do they? Um, let's go on, Elliot. I, I was I was just going to add to Zoe's point. I guess that maybe one of the things you don't necessarily see from the from the stand is the the role in the organisation, the defence that the goalkeeper plays, and perhaps Tim Krul has a lot of that um, has a lot of attributes in that department, which. Uh, is super important as well as just shot stopping, which is obviously what people see at like a very superficial level. Um, but yeah, his his organisation is obviously a, a hugely important part of why he's being selected. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I also also I, I'm a Bamadeli. I've always wanted him to play, and I'm so happy that he's, I'm so happy that he's back in. He's got to play for me. Do I remember rightly that you had an Omabama Deli song lined up at one point? Uh, no, I had an Omabama Deli shirt. Oh, last, you had a shirt, last, yes. Yeah, but, yes. Yeah, but I was going to write a song, but I, I haven't got around to it. Okay. Uh, next time I come on, if he's, if he's <laughs> yeah. uh, first team regular, I'll, I'll promise I'll have a song. Yeah, when you come on and we've just sacked David Wagner and appointed our new manager, <laughs> whenever that is, you can you can wheel out the Omabama Deli song. Well, at least you can you can wear the shirt with pride now, knowing that he's, um, he's on the pitch. Um uh, one one other thing, obviously worth mentioning, is the uh, the minutes applause for um, eight year old Amber Sheehy and uh, the, the hashtag clap for Amber applause. Um, that was obviously really well observed by both uh, ends of the ground, and obviously the scenes after the game with her family, which um, were incredibly emotional, um, and of course the the way that the players posed with the shirts, you could tell um, just how close. Some of the players were with Amber and um, yeah, I just think it was one of those moments where an obviously incredibly sad and tragic thing, football um, kind of turned that into something quite emotional, quite beautiful really. So um, yeah, um, obviously that was kind of heartening in a, in a way. Um, less heartening was uh, Dimi Yanoulis getting hauled off again at half time. Um, somebody asked me how many times did that happened. I make it five He's been subbed off now at the Etihad, Stamford Bridge, the Valley, Kenilworth Road and the CBS Arena. So I don't know how long he'd have to stay to be taken off at all 92 football league grounds. <laughs> he's, uh, he's making his way through. And actually Sam McCallum came on and did quite well, set up the fourth goal. So um, interesting to see who plays in that position um, in a fortnight's time. Um, and then the only other thing I'd observe was, um, was just... David Wagner in the community, um, seen at the Warwick Arms after the after the Preston game on the Sunday, I think, and also visited the Nest. So he's already making his mark, isn't he? Um, you know, just doesn't he look well as well? <laughs> doesn't he? <laughs> For a fifty-plus-year-old man, he just he just looks in prime physical condition. It's uh, it's really nice. I mean. Usually, when managers have been out of work for a while, they do uh, they do tend to suddenly look quite vibrant, and then it takes about a month of being back in a job before um, the poor health kicks in. But yeah, he he is still looking very vibrant, and uh, yes, I hope he continues to to get out and about because uh, he seems like a fun presence to have around. Definitely. Yeah, I'm in, I'm enjoying the different shades of grey in his hair as well. He seems to be sort of a lighter grey at the back and a darker grey at the front, which reminds me of Chris Hutton's um, sort of two shades of grey that he used to go. He went left and right, Wagner's going front and back. Um, who knows if it's a style thing? I suspect not. Um, <laughs> but uh, he wears it well, as you say, Zoe. Um, well, if there's nothing else that you don't want to talk about, then I think we move on to sort of... Uh, part b of part two which is the transfer window um don't have a sting for that so um i'm, I'm not going to sing anything elliot you might have to come up with a song about that next time you're on um if, it, if it, the timing's right um i suppose the obvious one is todd campwell isn't it we've sort of teed that one up so within the last i want to say four or five hours um he has joined rangers for an undisclosed fee i think that one had been on the cards for quite a while um I'm kind of conflicted with how to feel about this one, Zoe. Um, I know that um, you have a special bond with Todd. <laughs> don't know how to say that like that. That's... <laughs> but um, he he comes up regularly on the uh, in, in the WhatsApp group. Let's put it that way. And 
yeah, it's going to be strange to think of Norwich City without him in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good way of of putting it. I think um, I, I'm fascinated with Todd. I, I think that's the thing. I, you know, yes. he's never been he's never been my favourite player. He's never, you know, he rarely sort of, you know, really did it for me. You know, and, and even when he played really well, you know, he was rarely the person that I came away talking about, thinking about. But yet he he is an absolutely fascinating human being i think just this sort of big mass of contradictions and sort of self-awareness coupled with a complete lack of self-awareness and um you know he sort of paints this picture of being sort of i don't know i guess otherworldly sometimes <laughs> um but yet which is no just incredibly local at the same time and it just really really fascinating character and it just the last few years I've just been quite upsetting I would say in terms of thinking about Todd like yeah there's lots of jokes to be made and you know when it boils down to it his performances have been largely terrible and certainly not up to the standard where we we think he's capable of but just in terms of a talented young player especially who's come through um our youth system who had so much promise um it's all it's all gone wrong in the last couple of years um for whatever reason i've got absolutely no idea what that reason is but you know multiple managers have come to the same conclusion um about todd which you know suggests something is going a little bit wrong there and you know i've talked about it on the podcast before and sort of talked about how he's always felt like there's something it well it certainly feels like he's always felt like there's something more for him than Norwich City but at the same time he's sort of forgotten to do the stage where he's Norwich City's best player first and it's like he sort of tried to bypass that bit um and you know he he doesn't see he's he certainly hasn't seemed particularly happy over the last couple of Mm. years I, I the game um when we played Aston Villa at home sort of around Christmas time uh, last season when half the squad were throwing up because they had COVID or, or whatever at half time. It's one of the weirdest performances I've seen from an individual player, I think, um, in however long of watching football. He seemed completely out of it, like he didn't feel like he sort of really knew what was going on, whether he was poorly or not, I don't know. But um, something has gone on with him. Um and it's come to a point where he's leaving and it's almost like, well, doesn't really like I don't have any emotions about it. It's almost like, well, kind of slight bit of relief that the whole saga is over. Um, mm. A slight bit of hope that he can rebuild something somewhere else, but <clears throat> also <clears throat> quite a lot of fear that he's going to get eaten alive in Glasgow. And, <laughs> um, you know, he is... Um, he is he does seem quite vulnerable sort of um as a person i you know i don't think he is the prima donna that he kind of a lot of people presume he is just because he's got long curly hair i you know i i don't think it's that with him but there's an element of something where he maybe doesn't align the amount of work that he has to do with how good he is or will be i don't know but I hope that he does really well at Rangers. I hope that it works out. I'm worried that it won't. Um, and I'm not worried that we have made the wrong decision by letting him go. I think I'm at that stage now. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like kind of letting your child out into the world, doesn't it? <laughs> well, whatever that feels like. Um, what do you make of it, Elliot? I mean, I, I think Zoe's kind of touched on a lot of what's what's gone wrong there um he hasn't had a goal or an assist for us in over 18 months um are you conflicted or are you sort of thinking we've we've missed an opportunity or or is is this the right time um i think the only opportunity we've missed is not selling him three years ago we uh we i think we could have taken we could have taken some money um back back you know when when we around the sort of time where we sold players like jamal lewis slightly after the murphy's Actually, if you look at that, that we've we've probably made some good good deals there. Jamal Lewis, I mean, he's not playing for Newcastle, not even in the squad. Godfrey's doing it right for Everton, not pulling up any trees. One of the Murphys, I think, plays in League One now, does he? One's at Newcastle, obviously done pretty well. But Cantwell could have easily been one of those players which we sold for 15, 20 million pounds. 
who turned out not to be the player that everyone thought he was. Um, unfortunately, we, we we kept him for too long, and uh, it's now. I don't. I wouldn't say it's turned sour, and I completely agree with Zoe. Like I really, really want him to do well at Rangers. I would love to see him go out, go there, uh, and be one of Michael Beale's um, star players and take them to the SPFL title. I would love to see it so much. Um, but actually, maybe you look at it and think Daniel Farker did an unbelievable job with these players, make them into players which were worth ten million. Um, Plus pounds in those in those seasons where we got where we first got promotion under Parker, and then we some of the young players did pretty well in the Premier League, although we, we got relegated. Um, yeah, I, w- I would I would love to see him do well. I just think it's a little bit too late that we that we've let him go. But um, I think I'm I agree with Zoe. I'm happy that the, the Norwich City uh, answer to Paul Pogba transfer saga <laughs> is, is over, and we can kind of move on from the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's actually a really good comparison that I'd, I'd never thought of before, but I, I can't remember. If, did Pogba go for free for Manchester United in the end? I mean, I don't know whether... I think Pogba he went for free. free. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying that Paul Pogba is the player that Todd Cantwell is, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, that's World Cup winner, Paul Pogba there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it was... Um, I mean, I, I, I almost feel like I imagined this, but I don't think I did. I think Villa, we were sort of talking about when Villa were interested 18 months ago, whether they're interested or not, I don't know. This was just transfer speculation. There was talk of £40 million. Um, and incidentally, um, I think we'd been asked by uh, by Beck, in fact, how many millions did we get for Todd? Are we going to reinvest? Honestly, no idea. I mean, you really, even... I'm not even sure if Michael were here if he'd be able to tell you. It's the fee is completely undisclosed, um, so not a clue. But obviously, contract up at the end of the year. Can't imagine it was much. Um, also, uh, interesting I, because it was Villa who were linked with him. Maybe that was genuine because obviously Michael Beale was there at that point. I think um, so. Perhaps kind of rekindling that interest. Um, just to get an idea of what people are saying well zoe you were worried about the comments earlier so here's norwich city a fifa story saying excellent description of todd zoe well uh, if you look a little bit further down there's a there's a less nice one <laughs> i hadn't seen that one we will not be posting that one up we don't know if he wasn't talking about either me or elliot to be honest um <laughs> so um <laughs> Nolly says uh, Todd believed the hype of a few years ago, how good he was, and he wasn't. Three managers gave him a chance last season and he failed all. Couldn't wait to get away from here then, so not missed now. Uh, and Declan Cotter has said, hardly featured since the start of the PL car crash, uh, which I assume was last season. Um, could have been either. Farker, Smith, Parker and Wagner now don't want him and he's run out of road. I think all that's fair. Um, what I would say in defence of... Well, I think we have slightly forgotten or haven't mentioned at least some of the moments that he had in an Norwich City shirt. And if you think of the goal he scored against Manchester City, which was arguably in some ways the finest goal we've scored in the last five or 10 years. Um, the penalty against Spurs in the cup, which he, you know, the I mean, this sort of sums up Todd Campbell in many ways doing keepy uppies as he gets to the penalty spot, but then sticking it up in the top corner in front of the Spurs fans. And also the Huddersfield 7-0 game, um, when you know everyone turned it on that day, but I distinctly remember Todd just being absolutely unplayable that game, um, and fantastic in the um, in the first half of our first Premier League season, um, before things started to kind of go wrong, and actually before COVID hit, um, before that break, he he was possibly our best player that season. So um, I can't disagree with any of what the two of you have said in terms of our reasons for now for getting rid now but um i think i don't know i'm just i'm just harking back to the good old days i well, guess one of my favorite norwich city f- photos of the last few years is of todd and jamal at the end of the man city game and they're having a cuddle and they are both sort of laughing their heads off and they just look completely shocked and surprised and overjoyed just like the rest of us felt of like what have we just done? What was that? And that's just, yeah, I will I'll probably always want to remember Todd by thinking about that photo. And of course, him doling out Christmas presents slash cash in the dear and area <laughs> <laughs> for the last two years. Classic Todd. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to be remembered doling out cash in the Deer area, but, um, <laughs> but but hopefully for for all the right reasons we'll remember him. And uh, thank you to James Hotchkiss who says the Times said one point five million pounds. We don't know whether that was true or not, but uh, let's assume it was around that. Um, it would be so interesting to know what we were offered. I know we'll never find out, but it would be so interesting, if ever anything actually. Uh, that's the thing yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, but it's an interesting point that you made, Elliot, because. A lot of the players who did star in that eighteen nineteen season, we kind of we did sell them at the right time. Um, I think I remember talking about it on this podcast at the time, and we, we were talking about the five saleable assets that we had. It's an awful phrase to use when they're still at the club, but um, Jamal Lewis, Ben Godfrey, and Emmy Buendia, we all got good fees for. Uh, Todd, obviously, we haven't, and uh, and Max is still here. So, and you would think. Um, the day he does leave, although let's not talk that up, um, that we'll get we'll get good good money for Max. Um, let's just quickly round off the transfer window. Then um, Tyrese Omatoye has joined Forest Green Rovers. That also came out today, kind of brushed under the carpet slightly with the Todd news, but we wish him all the best. Um, in terms of incomings, I mean, I have not heard anything, but I don't really have my ear to the ground. Um, the only other the only other business that looks like it may happen is Jordan Huger leaving with um, David Wagner saying that uh, it's unlikely. Well, he's talked about three strikers, hasn't he? And I think we know who they are. Um, so, yes, unless I've missed some potential incoming business. I mean, is there anything that either of you two would like to see before January 31st? I personally would like to see another win, winger of some description. Uh, I think um, we've obviously got a few out on loan. I don't know how that works with recalling them or whether we even want them to stay be up for it. But I think Hernandez has shown his value when he started the last two games. Um, and I don't think we can rely on just him alone. I think we need another winger. Possibly play on that right-hand side. Sarge's not a natural uh, wide player. So possibly a left foot to play on the right to sort of... Um, uh, Sort of partner Hernandez a little bit in in, in that way. I I think that's probably the position I would I would be targeting. Excellent. Um, Yeah, I think we're probably still slightly slightly light in that area. Um, Right. Uh, Just a couple of comments. Pulled up a lot of comments today, but um, we haven't we haven't mentioned Sarah yet properly, have we? And maybe maybe he's going to be the Dowell of uh, of the next podcast. But Dowell and Sarah's performances at Coventry stood out. Their link up play made a big difference, and the switch at left back with McCallum gave us a better second half defensively, but still work to do. Thank you, Matthew. Can't disagree with any of that. Um, and Nolly, who we've given a lot of air to uh, airtime to tonight, says one of the training staff took the cap round to Tim after the first goal. Looked like Tim had asked for one. Don't know if it was Wagner's though. So the mystery remains unsolved. Um, but... It's still possible. It's still possible. <laughs> Just like second place is still possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like to believe that both could happen. Um, anyway, I think that rounds up the things that have happened. So now let's look ahead to what's going to happen, or at least try and predict it. This is almost fantasy football. Yes, this is almost fancy football at the moment, actually. I mean, that, that, those words have never been more apt. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, to continue that in the next fixture, which is not against Birmingham City because they got through their FA Cup tie with Forest Green um, and with Blackburn doing for us in the third round. Uh, that means we get the week off next week. And so does the podcast, by the way. So, um, sorry, another week without Michael, uh, if, you can, if you can all manage that. Um, and... That means that the next game is a tie that looked pretty ominous a couple of weeks ago, but now looks pretty mouthwatering, I would say. Burnley are coming to Carrow Road for another 12.30pm kickoff on the 4th of February. We're back on telly again. Um, Zoe, nine wins in a row for Burnley. Um, and I've written here, surely no catching the visitors in the table, although that obviously goes against the general feel <laughs> of the pod, obviously we're going to finish in the top two, so we still obviously could catch them. Um, but my God, I'm looking. I mean, I, I, just everything's positive at the moment, and this to me seems like a really, really exciting game. Yeah, it is really exciting. I can't. It feels unfair that we've got to wait two weeks for for another game. Um, and but sort of the, you know, that you can you can argue that it's maybe a loss of our momentum, but it, it gives Wagner an extra week to to be working with the players, to be getting to know the players, to be communicating what he wants to them to achieve um and I don't think 
we could be in a better position to play Burnley. We're a bit sort of, you know, we've got we've got to throw everything, you know, got to throw everything at it because we're in a bit of a. It's got to happen now, and it's got to happen for the rest of the season if it's going to happen. So, um, got to throw everything at it. Burnley are, you know, for all intents and purposes, up. Um, you know, they there is always an element of of coasting I think when you get to this stage of the season so you know that for them to to keep that concentration up um and you know they they were trying to keep things exciting with their sort of last minute free kick the other day but um we know that if it was us back back in the day we would have left that another few minutes before we'd bothered trying to do that um so you know I think I think we have got a good chance. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy. It's going to be a really interesting game, I think, to see. I think these players, the Norwich players, believe that they are as good as the Burnley players. And having had a bit of a reminder that perhaps, you know, they actually are recently, I think they'll be bang up for it. Um, and wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to put a few past Burnley and just really... I think what we need to do is start concerning some of the other sides around us, um, and and put a bit of a put of a put a bit of a marker down for the rest of the season. Um, and what better way to do that than by beating, you know, the current champions elect? Um, and you know, maybe by four or five goals, that would be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many goals we would get if we scored four every single time we play between now and the end of the season, but surely it's got to be more than a hundred if we if we manage to do that. Um, Quite often with these, you kind of look at the reverse fixture, but actually, you know, in the second half of the season anyway, but there's kind of no point in that at all. That was the biggest reality check of the season for me in that we just went there and did not compete or even try and compete really. And obviously only ended up 1-0, but it was such a sort of anti-Norwich City Championship performance. This, Elliot, feels like it's going to be completely different Um, and also will have had a fortnight's break. So I don't know if that is going to be beneficial to have had the extra time. Burnley are still in the cup. I haven't done my homework on who they're playing, but um, they will be playing next week. I mean, do you feel like that's an advantage to have the extra week's rest or would you rather just keep the fixtures coming at this point? Um, I think probably I'd rather just keep the fixtures going. I think just playing Saturday, Saturday to Saturday is fine. I don't think you need any more of a break than that. I think what is an advantage is that the fans will be so up for that game with um, David Wagner's first home game in charge after two uh, away fixtures where we scored four goals. I mean, I think the atmosphere is going to be electric in, in Carroll Road that 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 day, twelve thirty kickoff. Um, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I wish I, I wish I could go, um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great to watch on TV. Um, but yeah, I th- I, and I think we've got every chance to. Um, uh, to beat them or take the game to them, I just think we've got to get players forward. I think if we do that, then we'll, we'll, we've got a good chance of um, giving Burnley a bit of a scare. And Zoe's absolutely right. Uh, the teams we do need to scare are the teams around us. If we put in a positive, good performance against Burnley and score a few goals, then they're going to be thinking, well, oh, Norwich, we don't want to play them. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think it would be a kind of a statement game. And I guess the first really big test um, for for Wagner. So we'll see if he passes it. Thank you very much uh, to James Hotchkiss, who says Burnley have Ipswich, which is as good as a week off for them too. Uh, on current form, you may be right. Um, in terms of the team then, Zoe, I mean, uh, Robert Marshall said Angus needs to start in goal for Burnley. I think we've, we've done the cruel and Angus thing uh to death so um a, a quick verdict on that but then is there anything else you would change i suppose left back is the main area of contention isn't it um yeah it it it's that's the question i think i think um it'd be pretty harsh to change anyone else um they've been playing so well that midfield is starting to look a lot more settled which is which is nice this you know and, and the more they play together the more that that understanding will will come um left back is an interesting one on his day what dimmy offers going forward um you know is, is the best we've got at the club um but he does have a tendency of of having of being run ragged a little bit um for sort of chunks of the game um and i think that sort of batters his confidence sometimes a little bit um and then he gets sort of caught between not knowing quite where to be um 
and a, a little bit confused. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough call. Um, he played so well against Preston that you sort of want to give him a chance. Um, but then McCallum, when he came on against Coventry, also played really well. So I think you get you get a bit more stability perhaps with McCallum, although sometimes his de- decision-making isn't great. Um, also, you get the aerial ability, a bit more sort of strength, I think, um, as well with McCallum. So, um I guess it, it depends how all-out attack he wants to go, especially in that first half, um, Wagner. Um, I wouldn't be disappointed with either of them playing, though. Yeah, I think it's good to have them both fit, I suppose, as well. That's a, a luxury that we didn't have in in the first half of the season. So, uh, yeah, really good point. Um, right, well, I I think we've, we've probably, as we near the hour mark, um, have pretty much run out of well, we haven't run out of time because we've got all the time in the world but I don't know if there's any more to discuss beyond Kenny other business now I don't want to put pressure on the two of you but last week the guests uh came with a quiz and uh, played a song on the guitar so <laughs> so um I, I don't necessarily expect those levels but um was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't brought up for for Kenny I certainly don't think that that man on the comments wants to hear me sing, so um, I won't I won't do that. Um, Perhaps you uh, flap for him. <laughs> well, talking of flapping, actually, um, obviously a good subject to, to go into. One, one thing I was going to raise was um, Onel Hernandez puns uh, reaching the mainstream media uh, this week with uh, the EDP talking about a swan uh, on the loose, um, terrorising local residents who... I think it was maybe Dave Freezer had nicknamed Onel Swananders, um, which I just like to bring up as, you know, very proud of, you know, the Onel Hernandez puns we, reaching that wider audience. But surely, surely it was Swanel Hernandez. Surely that was the better yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to concur. Like, of course, of course, this is this is the perfect Kenny other business fodder for starters, not fodder important subject matter um and i think there was also a story in the edp um about a lay-by where they were cutting back some bushes with um some where let's say some sexual activity took place and again (laughs) missed a really good opportunity for a headline there so um i think well you know loving loving the work of our colleagues at the edp but um, they may need to up their pun game we're um zoe is here and i am here for business if if they need it pun business that is um, anytime. anytime um i think in that case i mean that that was literally perfect for for any other business um <laughs> I think the final thing to end on is Neil Luther pointing out that we can still get 96 points, according to Michael. It would have been wrong of me not to have mentioned that, so thank you for bringing that up. Michael is very much on the we are still on for the 96 points bandwagon, and I think we should continue to mention that until we're no longer on to get 96 points. In in terms of bandwagons, could we also get on the Norwich getting promoted and Ipswich not getting promoted bandwagon as well because that would be <laughs> that would be quite a fun outcome of the uh, season especially the way that they both start we both started um this season so yeah I'm, I'm getting on that bandwagon I think I tell, I tell you what I have resigned myself for most of the season to the fact that we're just going to be playing each other next year and I'm not yeah I'm not so we'll sure we'll never play them again it's happening yeah yeah the, the song the song is real <laughs> the song is true um anyway thank you very much guys that is all for today's on the ball as the clock ticks just over an hour the norwich city podcast is off to look at todd's instagram one last time um if you haven't already then make sure you subscribe to on the ball via your podcast player of choice it's available free on your usual player just search michael bailey norwich city um, and do put the norwich city in because i tried touching michael bailey on youtube got some very interesting results uh, on your preferred social platform whether that's youtube or not and there it will be ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals i'm not interested so send michael a direct message on twitter at michael j bailey or you can send them to me if you want you can still send us your suggestions for topics to discuss either by emailing twitterkers at icloud.com that's t-w-i-t-t-e-r-k-e-r-s or using the hashtag twitterkers on twitter a big thank you then to our guest tonight elliot um thank you so much worth the wait thanks steve yeah i've really enjoyed it um Good to be back. First one in 2023. Hopefully be on again this year at some point. Absolutely. We'll have to make it happen and uh, bring Rob with you next time as well. 
Um, and... fully, fit, fully fit Rob. I'll bring <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we will only accept fully fit players. This is the David Wagner regime now. Um, Zoe, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for me too. Um, we are not here at all next week, I'm afraid. As we've already said, we're back in a fortnight's time, by which time the transfer window will have closed and uh, we will know whether we are still on for, for 96 points. Um, Michael will be back to turf me out then um, when we'll probably be talking about four more goals or something like that. Um, until, uh, until which time, take care. And to coin someone else's phrase, never mind the danger. <laughs>